Now, this is something, whoa, hey, hey, hey. And for all our online people, welcome. I'm Pastor I'm glad you're with us. Okay, we're going to be studying our memory verse here uh, and just reminding ourselves of it. Now, if this is new to you, uh, you still have today, uh, but a powerful an incredible passage of scripture reminding us of the reason that we have gratitude uh, for some of these incredible blessings that we've been talking about these last couple of weeks here. So here we go. Say it along with me. Three, two, one. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Ephesians 1, 3. All right, you sound so good. Do it again. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Ephesians 1, 3. And last time, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, Ephesians 1, 3. Awesome. Now, I hope that you've been practicing and thinking about this particular passage, and it has helped you uh, as you continue to uh, go through life and thinking about God's Word and His, uh, His amazing blessings for us. And so I know this last week uh, I had a, a very difficult football game on Friday. We were doing good, but it just didn't work out the way that I was hoping that it would and, and all of this. And whilst I was in the moment of, of turmoil, great turmoil in this, God brought this passage back to me because I was, I was memorizing it and all of this, and I remembered that I had a couple of things from God that I absolutely needed. And the first one was provision, where I was feeling like I didn't have God's wisdom. I was like, no, no, I, God says if I, have, I ask for wisdom, I'm going to have it, right? So I have that. The second one was peace, which allowed me to be able to, in the moment, to respond better uh, and the word that I needed to be. Now, that seems like a small thing, but it's in the little tiny details of life where God st- begins to work and, and does incredible things. I want you to be able to memorize, and not only that, but then apply this verse. That's why we do that every single week, is taking God's word and putting it into our lives. So in those little details of our life, you find God there, and there's great benefit to that. Now, we're going to talk about another benefit we have of God, and this is personally one of my favorites. And that is that we receive power. Right? That's one of the benefits of following Christ is that we are not just self-powered any longer. Do you ever feel overwhelmed? Does that ever happen to you where you look at the world and it just seems too big? You look at your problems and they just seem too big and you're like, ah, right? And you feel powerless, right? You feel like we're not up to the task. We're not able to do it. Well, there's a reason for that. It's because you're limited, and this world has got bigger problems than, than you have the capacity to fulfill, right? This world is bigger than you are, and it's more broken than you have the capacity yourself to take care of it. And whoever said God won't give you more than you can handle was somebody who didn't know Scripture very well, because you've all handled, faced things that are bigger than you. A lot of us have scars from that. What Scripture says is we're not going to have more temptation. God's not going to allow us more temptation than we can handle. But this world is more than us. But I also want to tell you that there is something that God has told us, that he's never going to give us more than he can handle, and that he will always be with us. That is incredible. So when we feel powerless, we we feel that way because we feel like we don't have the ability to handle what's before us. And therefore, the solution to feeling overwhelmed, to feeling like we don't have the ability, is, is to recognize that God has the ability. 
And really, power at its core is simply that. It's just ability. Like, if you have a car that's got 300 horsepower, it has the ability to pull as hard as 300 horses, right? Or if you have a a 60-watt light bulb, it has the ability to shine 60 watts worth of light. Does that make sense? Right? Uh, Power is the ability to do something. And the problem is, is that for most of us, that we live in, in a vastly dark world, and we're like 60-watt light bulbs, and we feel in my own power, I can't light up this world. You ever feel that way? My, my ability is capped. Because you are human, you are not infinite. Here's something amazing, though. Unlike you and me, God is unlimited. He has infinite capacity, infinite ability. God is unlimited, which is why, remember we read Ephesians earlier on in the series, the very first week, and I encourage you to read Ephesians, you would have read this. It says in that, it says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to what? His power that is at work, where? Within us. To him be glory in the church and in, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, recognize that God can do more than, than I can ask, right? Let's take a step back first. God can do more than I can, right? God can do more than you can. That, that uh, this world doesn't rest on your shoulders, that, that we're not supposed to be able to handle this world on our own, that God has, can do more than you can. So if you ever feel in the space that you're not enough, aren't you glad that you're there with God? That's a benefit. But what I find so cool about this is God can do more than I can ask, like, I can ask for a lot, but you can't ask ask God. You're never going to come to a point that you're going to say, Lord, I need your power to be able to do this. And God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I can't do that. That will never happen. If you have the ability to ask for it, God has more than the ability to do it. Think about this. God didn't have to be this way. What a blessing it is that we have a God who is infinitely powerful. That no matter what you could even ask for, he is more than capable, more than up for the task. But it goes beyond that. Look what it says here. More than we can ask or even what? Imagine. God is bigger than your brain. He's bigger than your concept of how big he could possibly be. That we are limited, but God is unlimited. That we sometimes try to put a limit on God and we think what he can possibly do. We try to stuff him in our little tiny box of understanding where God's supposed to fit within. And we're like, yeah, he's got lots of power. But God is, is more mighty than you could possibly even fathom. That there is nothing out there. Sometimes we can't even see a way. There's nothing we can even ask for. We're like, God couldn't even do this. Even if I could ask, there's not a solution. I can't see this solution, so I can't even ask for his power for it. This is just too big. God's bigger than you. He's got solutions that will never even come across your mind because he's much larger than your ability to comprehend. This is amazing. And this awesome, powerful, amazing God takes this unlimited trillion infinite watt power and puts it to work where? In us. Within us. What? This is phenomenal. The world is a tiny thing compared to an infinite God. It's huge to us, but it's tiny compared to our God. Now, how does God bring about this work within his power within us? How does he do that? 
I'm going to share just three of the incredible ways you find in Scripture. I'm my, the top three that I'm happy here, but God is unlimited, so there's lots of ways He empowers us. But here's the first one, is God empowers us with truth. We find this in Scripture. This is huge. To understand that ignorance is dangerous, right? If you don't have truth and you're ignorant of it, you just don't know what it is, it, it, basically it limits us. So think of every area of your life, financial ignorance, doesn't that that limit people? If they don't know how to budget, they don't know how to invest, they don't know how to do things right, it limits their potential, doesn't it? They're not able to be financially successful because maybe they just don't know how, right? And sometimes financial ignorance can even be very, very damaging. We get into bad financial decisions just because we don't know how to make good ones. That's the same with our medicine, right? With our our medical stuff, we don't know. It hurts us. For example, think how many people died after surgery before we we understood that there were these tiny little things called germs, right? Doctors would go through and they just, they would fix people and they would think according to their eyesight, everything was fine and all of a sudden they get sick. Why? They couldn't figure it out. They were ignorant of the fact that there are things they couldn't see. And once we discovered that, it, it helped us. But before that, we were limited in our medical ability. Well, it's the same thing in our lives. If we don't understand what makes us healthy, right? We might think like margarine and Crisco are are like health foods, right? And there was a time that people did. Ignorance hurts us. It hurts us in in not just finances and in our bodies, but in our relationships and our spirit everywhere. Ignorance is a prison. But you know what's even worse than ignorance? Deception. See, deception is planned and is hostile ignorance, right? It's ignorance that you export to somebody else. You try to make them ignorant of the truth. And we have an enemy out there who is skilled at this. He, he, he entraps us and snares us with lies that are designed to make us believe things that aren't true. So we live these lives in this prison, right? And it's uh, the, the good prophet Morpheus said about this prison, like everyone else, you were born into bondage, into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch, a prison for your mind. That was one of the most profound lines in any movie, because it's so true. We were born into this bondage, and most people don't recognize how ignorant and deceived we truly are. And we go about thinking we know things that we don't know, And we go about believing things that are absolutely not true, either because we couldn't discover them or because we've been told wrong things about them. And therefore, our own selves, as well as our culture and humanity in general, is imprisoned with great damage. Think about the damage that that false religion has done and how it's imprisoned humanity spiritually. Believing in wrong gods and wrong ways to be made right with God. And how so many people have made such great sacrifice and wounded themselves spiritually, right? And in every other way because they believe the wrong things about God. And about righteousness and about truth. False religion is, is, a, is a prison of humanity that does great damage. Physically, think about the damage false science has done and continues to do. Believing wrong things about how the way the world works. Doesn't that hurt us? And the result is sickness and injury and and death. Or how about emotionally? Think about how damaging it's been in humanity because we have false beliefs about other people. We have wrong understandings about how our heart and our mind and how the world's supposed to work. 
how we treat people poorly because we're ignorant about how we're supposed to really treat them, or we believe lies about what our roles in society is and all that kind of things are and how that damages us, and it hurts us in our, in just not just in society in general and in government, but also we talk about in marriages and relationships and families, but also in amongst ourselves when we believe wrong things. How about it's just intellectually? That as humans go, we have more information now than ever, which is great. But a lot of the information that we believe that we have may not be true. And we're constantly trying to learn new things, but, but oftentimes we do dumb stuff. And I bet 100 years from now, if the Lord hasn't come back yet, people then are going to look back on us and be like, what idiots? Can you believe that they blah, 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 did whatever kind of dumb stuff that we think we're doing that's smart? Because we do the same things that people live in the 1500s, don't we? That, that we find even intellectually, we don't understand the world as it fully and truly is. And so we live lives, which the Bible calls about folly. It's just we, we do things that are, are silly. We make bad decisions because we have bad information. And we can't make decisions based upon information we don't have. And the reality is that most people in the world live within, and we were born into this, that we, we, make, we live foolish lives, we, we end up with conflict and with confusion in our relationships, we end up with sickness and injury and death that's unnecessary, we end up living with sin and guilt because, and we can't escape it because of, we're ignorant and we've been deceived. But Jesus, in the midst of this, God himself came to this earth full of grace and truth. See, truth is the world as it actually is. It's the opposite of ignorance. It's the undoing of deception. And he taught us a whole different way. And he said to the people that were following him around, he said to them, hey, guys, if you, if you obey my teachings, you follow what I'm telling you to do, you're going to know that truth. And then he goes on to say about that, you'll not only know the truth, the truth will set you free. Unlike any other time in human history, we live in an age of freedom. God himself has come and has gifted us with truth. And truth, what is it? It's that which agrees with reality. For example, if I would say, this is a shirt, it is a shirt. In reality, it's a shirt. Now, if I would say and believe in my heart that it's a rocket, Right? That would not be true. It would disagree with reality. And I could try to take off all I want to, but it wouldn't happen because it would be a deception. And if I believed that deception, I would live in delusion. And people would think I'm crazy walking around in my rocket all the time saying, it's about ready to take off. <laughs> but if I know what it really is, I can use it. I can see what it is. I'm like, oh, this is a nice looking shirt. I'm going to wear it. Truth is powerful, therefore, because it helps us to understand our world as it actually is so we can interact with it as it truly is. And that's how truth empowers us to set us free from ignorance, from deception. Let me show you how it works. Do you remember, like, all the way through this series, I've been showing you how God designed us, right? Because these benefits are for you, and they impact all of us. And when God made us, he made us with a body, and he breathed the spirit right into us. And so we have those two, and they come together. It makes our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And scripture talks about being our, our heart and our mind. 
right? And remember last week we talked about how God gives us peace and how peace starts with our soul or our spirit. He gives us peace with him and then moves into our soul, gives us peace in our, that inner portion of us and then we can have peace in our body and then it expands in the world. Well, well, truth is a little different. Truth actually starts with our mind. See, there's a prison of our mind that we're in and we get to know the truth. And where do you know things? Here. The truth begins that God goes to the, to the soul, which, which affects both the body and the spirit. And as we understand what is actually real, it helps us make better decisions because we understand the world as it truly is. And who better to show us the world as it is other than the God who made it? He reveals it to us. And as we have right understanding of the world, Right? We make right decisions. That's called wisdom. We know what to do, which is why one of the benefits of following God and understanding the world as it is, is that we gain what's called wisdom. We interact with this world in a right, good way, and good things happen for us, right? And so we have understanding. But God doesn't just give us an intellectual understanding of truth. He also gives us a truth that goes into our heart. We understand the world emotionally as it truly is. Think about how oftentimes that people, we, we think of ourselves more highly than we ought. And what happens? We become arrogant, conceited, think the world's about me. And emotionally, I start to view myself in a wrong place. And I start to think maybe that you're my enemy or my servant or some other kind of crazy thing. And it creates all kinds of conflict emotionally between us. Or on the other side, sometimes the enemy deceives you and makes you think emotionally that you are worthless, that you are awful, that God has no plan for you, that the world hates you, that the world will be better without you, right? And there's no hope, no way out. And we think of ourselves so low that we treat other people as though, you know, either they're our oppressors or, or, we, or we're angry because we're not as good as them or whatever it is, which also creates conflict and we don't get to reach people where we are. But Scripture gives us the truth. You are God's child. He loves you deeply. That you're saved by His grace through faith. Not because of all the things you've done, but because of what He's done through you. But because He made you, you are His craftsmanship, a workmanship. You are a masterpiece. But we are called not to, be, to lord over all the people, but to serve one another. We have this different kind of emotional truth that changes us. Right? And so what results in is that we not only understand emotionally the right thing, but also our role. Like My role as a pastor is not to lord my will over you, but to serve you and lay my life down for you as Christ did the church. Right? That's what a shepherd does. Isn't it good that God taught me that? That I'm not just the CEO that commands my way and gets all that stuff, but I actually try to serve you? How about this in my, my relationship with my wife? Isn't it awesome to know that I'm to love her in that same way? that I lay my life down for her, make sure that her life is better off because I was there, that I'm supposed to make sure that before she goes to meet Jesus, that, that she's going to be more righteous, more holy, better off because she was with me. That's going to be the, the thing that I'm going to be judged by. So when I am leading my family, that I have a different type. When I lead my family, I make decisions. I'm like, what's in her best interest first? And not just hers, but also my son. Doesn't that change things? Or how about her? Right, Her understanding of the truth that God has called her into this noble position as a wife to, to represent the, the beautiful relationship between Christ and his church. That when she, said she follows my leadership, she's not doing it because I'm so awesome. Because she's representing the world, this beauty, this, this trust, this amazing thing that so she can bring that nurturing, wonderful bit to our, to our home and to our life where she's able to, to magnify and to make our world better. 
just as the church is supposed to make the world better. You know, understanding those things, the truth of who we are, the term not just husband and wife, but parents and children, grandparents and grandchildren, members of a body of Christ as well as in leadership, all of us, when we understand emotionally the truth of where we're at, what does it result in? It results in love. When we're all seeking to make sure the other person is, is bettered because I'm doing my part, that, that my life is a benefit and a blessing to you, that's what we get to do. And the result is when I choose your good above my own, and we build a community around that, the result is that we have harmony and peace, which is why Jesus said, the world will know you're truly my disciples. Why? Or how? Because of your love for one another. That's the kind of community and world I want to be a part of. That sets us free. We don't have to live like the rest of the world, always fighting against one another, you know, scrambling to the top, trying to get my authority so I can and, you know, lord it over you. Aren't you glad to be set free from that? But, you know, this, this heart and the mind, when, when we have God's truth there, it actually also works out into our soul. Be, or it, not just our soul, but our will, which is part of our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Where your mind and your heart are, and they come together, that's where your will is at. That's your, where you make godly understanding and goals for your life. Our will is what determines our lifestyle, isn't it? Like a lot of times people fail in our diets and we fail in our exercise regimens and we fail in, like if you want to go and read a book a day or something like that, and the reason we fail at that is our will doesn't keep up because our mind and our heart aren't fully there. But when our mind and our heart are filled with truth and we understand the world as it is, it slowly starts to change our will. We want to do the right things. The scripture talks about the more we're in Christ, he actually replaces our desire to do evil with his desire to do right. He says he actually begins to erase the law of brokenness and death from us and rewrite God's law into our hearts. We have a different kind of will. And you'll find the longer that you were with Christ as he brings his truth into our life, we begin to have better goals better dreams, better aspirations. We stop dreaming and aspiring for the things that lead us to death. Instead, we find that we're leading towards much better things that lead to, to, to godly priorities, which lead to sanctification. It actually makes us better. But also, those godly goals lead to fulfillment. And how many people live in this world completely unfulfilled? They're like Mick Jagger, right? They don't get any satisfaction. But in Christ, we have full satisfaction. Right? We, we find this. Well, God's will, when our soul begins to be filled with truth, our mind, our will, and our emotion are impacted by this, it impacts the rest of us because our soul is just made of the other two substances. So it's impossible for it just to be contained there. So in our body, when we start living according to the truth, when we start living according to this world as it actually is, there's benefits to us. We do crazy things like we don't go to work when we're sick, and we wash our hands right, a lot, and we eat good food, and, and we exercise from time to time as we ought to, and we stop jumping off buildings and doing crazy things because we recognize stuff like gravity. We understand the world as it is, and it benefits us physically. But it also works the other way. Is understanding truth impacts us spiritually deeply. See, we understand what it means to, to be right with God as who He really is and His righteousness and truth. We sang lots of songs about that today, of how God's powerful and how good He is and how the battle belongs to Him. And about it's, you know, it's, when we understand the truth of that, doesn't that change us? That we know that it's not me versus the world, but it's the world versus God and He wins, and so I want to be with Him. When we understand that truth, it changes us. 
We, we gain something spiritually amazing when I recognize that God is righteous and I'm not, but I can be saved by God's grace through faith. Well, that I, I know how to be right with God and I gain true righteousness and I get all the other benefits that we've been talking about these last month and a half. And I gain sanctification. In John 17, then Jesus says, and he prays for us, this is part of his priestly prayer, he prays to God, he says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And you say, Aaron, how do I get this truth into my, my mind and my heart so in my spirit so it can spread out? Jesus tells us right here. That, that we gain truth in one of the ways is through Scripture, the, the Bible, God's Word. This is why it's so important that we're reading it, memorizing it, meditating on it. Uh, the Word of God is powerful. It says in the Word, it's, it itself even self-declares that it is God's Word. It's all God-breathed. In fact, it says there in 2 Timothy 3 that all Scripture is God-breathed. This is from God. And not only that, but it's useful. It's got power to do what? To teach, rebuke, correct, train in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped, what? For every good work. See, Scripture not only frees us from the prison of ignorance, it actually empowers us, thoroughly empowers us, by the way, to do every good work that God calls us to do. So are you powerless? No. And God has given us truth, and we have got to take time to make sure that we we grasp this. And how do you grasp God's word? Well, here's a, a cool little thing because most people have hands. So you could think about if you're going to grasp something into your hands. And the first thing we want to do to grasp God's word, to get his truth into our lives, is we got to hear God's word. That's why in the scripture it tells us, basically it says Christians are pretty much commanded to, we gather once a week together for what? To praise God, to worship him. Part of that is you get a great sermon. And it should be based upon the Bible. And if it's not, you got problems. We want to hear the truth of God's word together. This helps us. But if you've ever tried to grab something with just your pinky, you know that just gives you a tiny little grip. And for some people thinking, well, I'm just going to hear God's word once a week and that's all I need. Well, yeah, it's good, but there's more that you want to make sure you to grasp God's word. The next thing we want to do is we want to read it. You have to read it for yourself. Now, that's for some of us, it's actually picking up a Bible and reading it. For some, like, audio books are great. Just getting it that way, you're like, well, Aaron, technically, is hearing. I know. Stop being a lawyer. You get God's Word as it is without somebody else's interpretation on it. Get to God's Word. Make sure you're going through God's Word. It's one of my every single week. What do we do? I challenge you to read a portion of God's Word. Well, even better, if you can go through, like, one of those programs, a Bible in a year. It usually takes me two years because I'm a slow reader. But, right, just get through it. Just go through God's Word. As we do that, next thing we want to do is study God's Word. That's why we have Bible studies and life groups and things like this. There's, we want to make sure that we're not just hearing it and reading it, but then we, we gain time to really chew on it. What is it meaning? What does it say? And you can do that alone. You can do that in a group. But to spend time really thinking about God's Word, which goes to the next part we want to do is memorize it. As we study God's word, we begin to take God's word and then put it into our heart and lives. Because sometimes, like on a football field, when you're being spanked on the fourth quarter and you don't know what to do and you're feeling powerless and lacking peace, you need God's word to set you free. And because I memorized it, where was it? It's here. We have to take God's word and spend time memorizing so it's with you. And as you memorize it, meditate on it. What does that mean? Is it the, no, no. Meditation is not emptying our minds. That's false meditation. That's silly and dangerous. Right meditation is to fill your heart and mind with God's word. To think about what it means. 
That's what it is. It's to really think about it. Spend time with God's word. How is this applying? Pray it back to God. Talk to him about it. Really think about it. There's power when we do that. And the last part I think is most important is you got to apply it at some point. If God's word is just something that's up here, then you're no better than the devil because he's got it. He understands it really well. Problem is he doesn't apply it. We take God's word, we put it into practice in our lives, just like Jesus says. If we would apply his word, if we do what he says, then we would know the truth and the truth will set us free. So God empowers us with truth and this is powerful, but here's the thing about it. It's not the only way that he empowers us which is pretty awesome. The next, next way that God empowers us is with prayer. And what is prayer? It's talking with God. The almighty creator and all-powerful being, right? He wants to hear from us. God can do anything even more than we can imagine. And so it says in 1 John that this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. There's confidence in it. It's not like you go to God and be like, well, Lord... Will you be up there? Will you take my call? Have you ever done that with somebody? Like you're calling them, you think, well, they're going to put me over to voicemail, I bet. Right? Or if I text them, they're just going to say, eh, I'm not going to check those messages for a while. If you talk to God, he hears you. Now, there's a couple things if we want to gain what, he, what he's asking for. The first thing is there, we have to approach God. A lot of times Christians don't approach God and then there's, there's no power in our life because we're trying to do these things on our own. We don't try to engage God and we've never approached him about it and then we wonder why we don't see his power in our life. As scripture says, a lot of times Christians suffer things they don't need to because we didn't bring it to God. Approach him. But when you approach him, another thing is you want to ask anything according to his will. Like that's a big thing. You have to, like God's not going to murder somebody for you, Okay. He's not going to give you wrong things that are going to destroy your spirit and soul. A lot of times we ask God, it says in Scripture, we don't get what we ask for because we ask with wrong motives. And sometimes we're self-deceived. We think we're asking for the right things, but we're still a little bit ignorant. Now, here's the cool thing about that. When we go to God in our ignorance and we ask for wrong things, does he, does he curse you? He say, get out of here with that. No, he doesn't. He's patient and kind and gracious that we can go to him and talk to him. But I do know this. If you're praying and you're in Scripture and you're in the Word and, and, and you are talking to God and there's something you're praying for that's His will, it will happen. He's heard you. That God can do anything. And God sometimes answers with a no, like, no, that's not the best thing. And we can trust Him with that. Sometimes He says, yeah, I'll give you this. And there are times that we've seen, in fact, as I pray for you guys every week, there are, there are seasons that like, I'll have four, five, six different prayer requests that be, are, have answered prayers, and there's praises. We're like, we prayed about this. It's amazing. And that's not uncommon. That God does, he moves mountains. He does the impossible things when we talk to him. Sometimes, though, God says, not yet. It's not outside of his will. And it's, he's going to say yes, but right now is not the right time. But I want you to know this. If you talk to God, you get an answer every single time. He doesn't put you on hold. And know this, too, that nothing is impossible for God. Right? It, for example, we can look at our culture and sometimes it looks impossible to change it, doesn't it? It looks pretty broken. And we think, oh, I can't change this. Well, of course you can't change it. But can God? It's not up to you. It's up to him. This is why we pray. It's why we talk to him. And I think a lot of times God's saying, I'm working on it. Not yet. And not that he has to work on it to make it work right. He's just waiting for the right time. So we talk to him. If James 5 says this, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Do you believe that? I think a lot of times we do, and we say, but I'm not righteous. Mm -hmm. 
Are you saved by God's grace through faith? You are a righteous person. That God has made you righteous, not because of anything you've done, but because of what He has done. And when a righteous person prays a righteous prayer that's within the will of God, anything is possible. Anything. Jesus said that if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. You know why that works? Because you're not the one that's moving the mountain. You see, a mustard-sized piece of God is still infinite, infinitely powerful. If you just have enough to just bring God into the situation, the, if the infinite might of God is present, that God can move any single mountain. So we should, don't worry about saying, well, I don't know if I have enough pray, faith to pray that prayer. If you have enough faith to pray the prayer, you have enough faith to bring God into it. And God can do anything. So talk to him. So don't go it alone. Invite God. Right? And so 1 Thessalonians says, rejoice always, pray what? Continually. This is how we do it. Right? Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, let's, let's understand this. Context, these people were going through a really hard time. You know, people were slaughtering them and stuff. It was bad. Rejoice always? Yeah, what do we rejoice for? Our circumstances? No, that's ridiculous. A lot of times our circumstances are not rejoice-worthy. We rejoice in this, that we have God's presence now, that God is working out all even difficult circumstances for his good, that we are never hopeless. Rejoice in that. Rejoice that because you are there, now God's presence is there, and you can invite his power into this dark place. And pray, pray for what you need, right? God's open. He said, listen, I put you in there. Now talk to me about it. And I also say, give thanks. Give thanks not for our troubles, but for who God is. For example, you find yourself in a financially impossible situation. Don't say, God, thank you for making me poor. That's dumb. Nobody should ever say that. But say, Lord, I'm grateful you're the God who's my provider. And you know my needs. So I ask that you meet me. Maybe you're in a, in a physically impossible situation. Don't thank God for being sick or hurt. That's, that's silly. Thank God for the fact that he is the one who can carry you through it. That he can either heal you or he's going to give you the endurance to, to do whatever righteous thing that you need to in the midst of it. Thank God for who he is. As we bring our, our prayers to him and giving thanks, recognize it's a continual thing. Don't just pray on Sunday. Don't think you have to drive up to the church to be able to offer a prayer. Talk to God. And God will empower you. And understand that God will then be at work. So God empowers us by the truth. He empowers us with prayer. That's one of the great gifts that we have. We can engage God and bring him into our problems with us. But here's the third thing, which I think is the most amazing, is God empowers us through the Holy Spirit. Right? God the Father, who has all the power, he's the creator, right? He has all the power. We can access him. He has all the authority to get everything done. We can access him through prayer. God the Son, right? He's given us the power and it's told us the truth. He gave us God's word. He came so we would reveal truth to us so we could be set free, right? But God the Holy Spirit is God's power now moved into us. And before we were, our sins were forgiven, before Jesus died and was resurrected, the, the Holy Spirit would never be inside a person because we still were corrupt. But now God's Holy Spirit dress inside of you, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God is there, the infinite power of God in you, with you at all times. This is amazing. That, that God's power is, is not absent, it's not somewhere else, it's not in a temple somewhere, it's actually present within you. Luke 24 says about this, where Jesus, he says to his disciples, listen, I, I'm, he was resurrected at this point, 
And he's like, all right, I'm going to go, and he, there's going to be this plan for you, right? And I'm going to go away. So he says this, I'm going to send what my father has promised. So, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So he tells his disciples, he's going, but he's going to send whom? Somebody's going to give you power. He's going to clothe them with power from on high. And he goes in Acts 1.8, he explains exactly how we're going to be clothed with power. And he tells the disciples that they that to go and wait in Jerusalem until they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That God's power in the Christian life comes with the presence of God's Holy Spirit in our life. Which is why, as a Christian, we should never try to go it alone. Even the apostles who had truth, right? They had scripture, they had the words of Jesus, they had that truth to set them free, right? They could talk to God, they could pray, and even Jesus said, "That wait, 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 this world is big and bad, so wait in Jerusalem, and I'm going to send my own presence, and it's going to clothe you with ability. And the ability to do what? You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Something that we would think completely impossible. That God was going to send his, his kingdom and was going to, to fill the entire earth. Do you ever have things in your life you think are absolutely impossible? Has God ever called you to things that you think, look at and you're like, wow, Lord, that, that's not a possible thing. You know who I am and you're calling me to this impossible thing? That there's no way to get that done? He does that on purpose because God wants to partner with you. And the evidence of God partnering with you is he's going to do his part, right? And if God always, if your goals and your dreams in life only level up to, to the level of your ability, you're not leaving any room for God. So don't be surprised if nothing miraculous ever happens in your life. But if God calls you to the impossible, then you know that, that, you, that you're with him and you will see him work and do the impossible things. Those can be things like this. I may not be able to fix my relationship on my own, right? There may be things in my life that I just can't do. The person is too broken, too far gone. I can't change their heart or their mind. But you know what? If God has called me to minister to them, I'm not going to lose hope because I know that my God can change a person's heart, that he can repair that relationship. Or maybe it's within me. Maybe there's a sin or a brokenness inside that I have tried for years or decades to try to overcome on my own. And I, I, I feel like I'm just powerless. Recognize that, that maybe God is calling to fix a brokenness within you that's a, above your pay grade, but he can fix it, so don't give up. Include him. Get to know his word. Bring it into your life. Talk to him about it. And trust God as you follow him. It'll be amazing some of the things that he can change with you. I had that in my own life. Like, I had a huge anger issue. Like, I would lose my temper and I hated it. And I didn't know how to fix it. And I tried to do everything I could. I went to little classes and I did all the books and did all the stuff. And I did all the little count to ten stupid things and all of that. Nothing changed the beast inside of me. But the crazy thing was, was I knew that God wanted to change me. And as I began to follow him and I stopped paying attention to this brokenness and I, and I started like, no, I'm saved by God's grace through faith and Lord, I want to follow you and I knew his truth. You know what happened is he began to change me fundamentally. You know, God does the impossible. It's one of the reasons like this morning we're praying about where God wants us to be in our new future home and I know a lot of people are like, well, that's impossible. There's no parking in Estes even if we had a trillion dollars. God is the God of the impossible. God is the God of the impossible. God calls us to do more than we could ever accomplish, we could ask for or imagine. The reason he does that is because he's with us. He is in us and working through us. Romans 8.36 then says, 
But as is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Is this the way that it is? Are you powerless? Are you just a victim to this world that is too big for you? No, no, no. And all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I don't know exactly everything that you're facing in your life, but I want you to know this. If you are in that situation, no matter how broken, how dark it is, that you may not be able, but God is. And he's already determined that you are more than a conqueror. And you will conquer more than everything through him. That God has given us his power. God did not call you to crush you. God empowers you by his truth. God empowers you with his word. God empowers you through his own Holy Spirit. He empowers you with his provision in every area of your life. He empowers you with his protection over every area of your life. He empowers you with the peace in every part of you that works through you. He empowers us to do the impossible here. You may not be enough, but God is more than able. He's more than able through you. What a benefit. So do we have room for, as Christians, to be gloomy and to be heartless and hopeless? No. Do we face difficult things? Yeah. Do we face hardship and pain? Yeah. But I want you to know this, that God is working all those things together for our good. That God is working right now, bringing his kingdom. I know that right now we look into the world and it has the appearance that the devil may be winning in some areas. Know this, God's the ultimate chess master. Enemy's not winning. God's not absent. God's not absent in the big picture. He's not absent in your life. And here's the coolest thing about this particular benefit. You don't even have to do anything. Just know that God is powerful. And then take that power that he has and, and let's, let's enjoy it. Know his word. Spend time with it. Let it free you from the ignorance and deception that keep you a prisoner. Spend time talking to him, connecting with him. Ask him for wisdom and for his, his involvement in your life. Trust him through the power of his Holy Spirit that he is at work. Let him do the impossible in you. How are you going to do that this week? Some next steps, some good things that I am going to challenge you to do. It's on your connection card. There's four things, a way to begin to apply it, to walk in this power this week. And the first is to memorize Ephesians 1.3. I've shared this morning how that little passage just worked in a little way in my life even this last week. It's a powerful word. It can work in you. Second thing I'm going to challenge you to do is why don't you read Psalm 119? Why Psalm 119? Well, you read it and you'll find out, but it's all about God's word, and it's, it's an incredible passage. It's, it's a little bit long, but it's amazing. Next thing is I'm going to invite you this week to make a commitment to start each day to rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. And so it's going to be easy to do in the things in your life that are good, but especially in the areas of hurt and pain. In those moments, I want you this week to stop and to rejoice, not for the pain, but for who God is. To pray in the midst of that time, even if you feel guilty or unworthy, let's just pray, let's ask God, right, and to give thanks for who He is to be able to answer those things, right? Do that this week. Last thing I'm going to do is, is just a, a challenge to trust in the Lord to recognize that the battle belongs to him, not you. That he's the one who's going to do incredibly more than you can believe or imagine. So make sure that we're trusting God, not trying to take things on yourself. Can we do that this week? All right, so hopefully I've given you all a chance to make a commitment or those things. I'm gonna pray for us. There's gonna be a time that uh, we'll, we'll, t we'll give you to, to make those commitments on your card, and then the uh, ushers are gonna come down and pass the baskets. Put those connection cards with your commitments and your prayer requests in there. 
along with your tithes and offerings and uh, make those your first act of worship this week to the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, you are powerful. And the amazing thing is, is that you uh, take all of this power and you didn't, you didn't use it for our destruction, which we rightly deserve. Instead, you empowered us with, with your truth, with, with prayer, that we could talk to you with your Holy Spirit. You've given us more than we need in order to be uh, more than overcomers in this world. So I pray that blessing over this congregation this morning, that you would empower them with truth, with your presence through prayer, Father, with your Holy Spirit working in their lives to, to do the good works in and through them. Grant us your wisdom, your, and your ability to see your kingdom come, Father, and your will done. Lord, we, we take these commitments that we ask, uh, bring today, Lord. We ask that you to accept those as a symbol of our love and trust in you, Lord, and that you would use us to grow us into the people, the kingdom of priests that you've called us to be. We pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.